Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Come on, what an incredible, incredible day it is. Good to see all of you at Avenue Church. Would you just turn to your neighbor and give them a fist bump and just let them know that you're glad to see them. They'll turn to the person behind you and give them a fist bump and you can't do it because they're turned around to the person behind them, right? I got you. You guys are looking incredible, incredible, incredible. So guys, we are so excited and honored to have you with us at Avenue Church this morning. Can we give all of our guests a hand? Come on. We know that there are a lot of incredible churches in this city, and we're not in competition with them, but we are working with them, amen? We are all working for the same company and part of the same family. We just all have different responsibilities, right? We're we're doing our part to reach this city. My name is Stephen, and along with my family and an incredible team, we launched Avenue Church on January the 17th of this year. Come on, in the middle of a pandemic, everybody, come on. And we've seen about 34 salvations since then. So God is doing something here. Let's celebrate that. Come on, he's doing something, not just in this church, but we believe he's doing something in this city. And so if you're a guest with us again, we're just so thankful that you're here. We want to ask you though, we want to stay connected with you. We're not going to harass you, but we would like to get just some contact information so we can follow up at some point and keep you up to date with what's going on. And so the easiest way to do that with us is text the word Avenue Connect to 97,000. And with that, you'll get a link that you'll, you'll have, you click on it, there's a digital connection card, there's some other stuff that's going on. Or if you want, on your way out, you can fill out a connection card at our connection tent on your way out. And then we also have a gift just to say thanks for spending your morning with us. A couple of things that's going on here at Avenue Church. We've started our men's and women's Bible studies. And what I hear, those are going pretty incredible, right? Come on. If you're a part of that, make some noise. Come on. Oh, nobody's a part of that. <laughs> So guys meet on Mondays, ladies are meeting on Tuesdays, and some really incredible things are happening. And so I just want to invite you, if you're making Avenue Church your home, uh, jump in on one of those so that we can build some relationships and dig into God's word together. And then last but not least, next Sunday, we're starting our growth track, which is just an easy way for you to get on board. If you've been attending for a while, we would love for you to be a part of Avenue Church. And we want to give you some tools to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. We want to help you discover how you're uniquely wired and God created you not just to serve in his church, but also in your community to make a difference. And then you have an opportunity here from my wife and I on the vision and value of Avenue Church. So if you have your Bibles or you have your phone, open up to the book of John chapter 11. Uh, The last several weeks, we've been taking a look at some statements Jesus makes in the book of John. He makes seven statements that are defining and describing who he is 
but then also helps us understand how to relate to him, how to grow in relationship with him, how to um, rely on him. And so the first week, just to catch you guys up to speed quickly, the first week we talked about Jesus being the bread of life. He makes this statement that, you know, I'm the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never be hungry again. And, and how many of you know, like sometimes you can eat a snack and five minutes later you're hungry again, right? You just open up the pantry to see what's there. It's not because you're hungry. Guess what you are? bored. <laughs> like, I'm just going to eat. But with, within each and every single one of us, we have something that I call a soul hunger, that that's something that a Kit Kat or a Snickers can't satisfy. And so maybe we try to satisfy it with the right job or the right relationship or enough money in our retirement or enough money in our bank or maybe a car or a house. And we find that no matter how much we try to satisfy that hunger, it never fully does. And we just have to work to satisfy something again. The second week we talked about Jesus being the light of the world and how he wants to come into our life and shine in the dark areas of our heart and and expose some things and reveal some things. But at the same time, he wants to offer hope and give us direction in our life. And last week we talked about Jesus being the good what? shepherd, that he wants to lead us beside still waters. He wants to make us lay down in green pastures. He wants to direct us. And at times it's important and he needs to correct us and bring us close to the good shepherd so that we can know his voice. And so this week we're looking at the fifth statement. And in John chapter 11, verse 25 through 27, he says, I am, everyone say, I am the resurrection and the life. And it says, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And then it says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And then he asks Martha this question. He says, do you believe? And what I love, and when I was reading this this week, there's, there's two words that stand out, and I think we need to catch it. It says that, that everyone who believes in me and anyone who believes in me. So guess who that includes? Everybody, right? And sometimes in the church world, we can think it's just about the chosen frozen that are in church on Sunday mornings, but it's just as much about those that are driving by this morning or walking by that that do not have a relationship with Jesus, that he is for them as well. And he makes a statement, I am the resurrection and the life. And the word resurrection is really not a word that we use on a daily basis. Probably not. Do you guys use that regular in a conversation? No. And it's actually an extension of the word resurrect, which means to bring back to life, to restore to life. And how many of you guys maybe have experienced something like that? One of my friends, Josh, um, Robery on Facebook this past week or last week, he kind of helped us with this church plan. He posted an event that happened in his life last week, and he was on the patio of his house, and his dog brought a rabbit up on the patio. And, and it wasn't a wild rabbit with pointy ears. It was someone's pet with floppy ears. And he let us know that his neighbor actually raises like blue ribbon rabbits, and he knew immediately when he saw the rabbit that was his neighbor's rabbit. And the rabbit was limp and was all muddy. And so the neighbors weren't at home. And this is a crazy story. He took the rabbit and he took it inside and he washed it to get all the mud off of it and blow dried it <laughs> to dry it. And then he ran back over to his neighbor's house and put it back in the cage before they got home. And so he's on the patio just kind of chilling, waiting to see what happens. And the neighbors come home and they're there for a while. And they finally go out in the backyard and they hear the neighbor's wife just scream, oh my God. And so he peeps his head over it because he knows like, oh, oh, 
they're, they're finding out. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so he says, what's, what's happening? And the neighbor's wife said, our rabbit died three days ago. We buried it and somehow it's back in our cage. And I asked Josh, I was like, dude, is this for real? <laughs> like, and he was like, man, I don't even own a dog. <laughs> it's not a true story, but just imagine like how crazy that would be. And so we're here today celebrating a resurrection that's much greater than, well, it wasn't really a resurrection because the rabbit was still dead, right? But we're here today celebrating a resurrection, but Jesus makes this statement, um, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, in a time and a season that was very traumatic for a family. And there's actually three resurrections. Jesus raises three people to life. One was a daughter of a general. Another one was um, a son of a widow. And then we see here that he brings back to life a friend. And Jesus makes this statement. And he has, he has two friends, Mary and Martha, and they have this brother. His name is Lazarus. And some of you guys may be very familiar with the story. And Lazarus gets sick, and Mary and Martha send for Jesus to come because they've seen Jesus heal. They've seen Jesus multiply the loaves and the fish, and they've seen Jesus maybe even raise individuals from the dead. They were there, and so they send word for Jesus to come. But he doesn't. They were hoping he would arrive and heal their brother. Instead, he's late, and Lazarus doesn't get better. Lazarus dies. And see, Mary and Martha, they were hoping that Jesus would show up and heal their brother. But Jesus had something even better in mind and was going to perform a miracle that would identify who he is and help those around him see who he really is. And so we're going to pick up in verse 3, and we're going to read through verse 6. It says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. And this is important. Lord, the one that you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And so now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And so I want us to step through this story, guys, and I want us to see some things about Jesus, see some things about God that maybe we can help, you know, better understand how he works in our life and how we can celebrate what he's doing, what he's done here on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's the first thing that, that we see Jesus, Jesus is, is motivated by his love for us. Jesus is motivated by his love for us. When we see Mary and Martha, so they come to Jesus and they petition Jesus for help. And they don't come to Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, you know, Lazarus, just he thinks the world of you. He's seen you perform miracles like he thinks you're just incredible and, and he, he loves you so much. It would mean so much to him if you would come and like heal him. He does, like, they don't say, listen, Lazarus has been telling everybody how awesome you are. He's proclaiming that you are the son of God. He's proclaiming that you are the Messiah. So can you do him a favor and come and heal him? Because he's been doing you a favor. 
Lazarus is a really good guy. He's like, he, he obeys his mom, like he takes care of his sisters. They don't do any of that. Instead, they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, the one that you love is sick. See, they don't petition Jesus based off Lazarus's merit, but they petition Jesus based on his love for Lazarus. See, we need to understand that. Like when we come to Jesus, we can't come to Jesus based on anything that we've done. We can't come to Jesus based on on how great we think we are or even how not great we think we are. They didn't come to Jesus and say, look, Lazarus is really having a hard time. He's really insecure, right? He just doesn't think well of himself and he's gotten really, can, can you come? No, they say, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. And so I want you to understand, like, like when Jesus does something, his motivation is not because of what you've done or not done. His motivation is out of love for you. And we can only love Jesus. First John says this, we can only love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved us. And so listen, the only thing you need to know to be able to come to Jesus and to move him is that he loves you. And I love this Old Testament scripture in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses six and eight. It says, God's talking here. He says, I chose you. Everyone say me. Okay, so he has chosen you. He has chosen me as my own special treasure. Some translations say, I have set my affection on you. And he says this, I did not set my heart on you because you were the greatest or the least, I chose you, listen to this, guys, simply because I love you. It's that simple. We try to complicate it by church attendance. We try to complicate it by how much we read, how much we pray, how much we fast. All of those things are good or important. Don't miss me on this. That is a part of the relationship. But there is nothing that you do, can do, or will do that can earn God's love. Because he simply loves you and simply loves me. That's the bottom line. That's that's all of the good news right there wrapped up is that he is motivated by his love for us. And so we read that. It says, so although Jesus loved Lazarus, what did he do? He stayed two more days. Well, that doesn't make sense. Like if he loved him, why didn't he go and heal them? Because here's the second thing you and I have to understand about Jesus and and how God operates is that that he moves on his terms and his timeline. He moves on his terms and his timeline. And that's hard for us to wrap our brain around. And and it says that even though he loved, he waited. And and verse 7 says, finally, everyone say finally. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So he says this. He says this in verse, in verse 11. And so they're like, let's go back. Uh, you know, we're going to go wake him up. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep in verse 12. The disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, let's let him sleep because he'll get better. And they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus has died. And so he says in verse 14, he says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is what? Dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Like Jesus, I like, I've watched you. Mary and Martha are thinking, I've watched you heal people. Why could you not have come and healed my brother? We're your friends and you've left us here. Why did you do that? 
And even though it's hard for you and I in our finite mind, in our mortal mind to understand how an infinite God works, he waited for a purpose. And he goes on to say, he said, I waited and I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you will really believe. And see, when he was on his way, like when he was on his way and Mary and Martha are at the house and they hear finally Jesus is coming and like it's four days now, my brother's been dead. You, you could have already been here. They hear he's coming and Mary stays at home. She doesn't go out, but Martha hears he's coming and goes after him, goes to where he's at, meets him on the way. And then, he, then, then she makes a statement, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and I want to help us understand some things. When, when we don't understand God's timeline and God's terms, there's, there's two things that we can do. The first one that you always need to do is keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. We see at the beginning of the story, Lazarus is sick, and they sent a message. They sent word to Jesus. You know basically what they were doing? They were just praying. They didn't realize it, but they were praying. The answer didn't come. Finally, they see Jesus in the distance or here he's coming. Martha leaves and pursues. So many times when we don't get the answer, guess what we stop? We stop pursuing. And, and let me give you some freedom here because we don't think we can do this, but we can. It's okay to ask questions. And hear me say this, it's okay to doubt a little bit because as long as you're having questions, guess what you're still doing? You're still in conversation. And it's when we stop having the conversation and we stop asking questions, that's when we've cut God out of our life and we've silenced Jesus because he can't speak anymore. He, 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 he will answer our questions when we bring our questions. We can bring him our anger. We can bring him our frustrations. We can bring him our disappointment and he can take it. You know why? Because he's a pretty big God. Scripture describes that, that the earth is his footstool. How many of you have footstools in your living room? Just prop it right up, right? We don't have that, so we're looking at getting some poofs. Is that what they're called? It's like you can prop your foot on. Like, I want a big ottoman, but no, we're going to get some poofs just to prop our So Scripture says that the earth is his footstool. He can prop his, that's, he is bigger than your emotions, guys. He is bigger than your questions. So don't be afraid to keep pursuing and to keep asking because at some point you will get an answer. It may not be the answer that you're looking for. It may not be the answer that you thought. They thought Jesus was, would show up to heal, but Jesus is showing up to resurrect. So many times we expect Jesus to do something small and he's putting something in works to do something greater, but our mind's not there. That's why the Old Testament scripture, the, the, the prophet Isaiah says this in 55, eight, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. He says, heaven is higher than earth, and my ways and thoughts are higher than yours. And I know like, I don't know everyone's story in here, but I know we all have a story and we've all walked in seasons where we're like Martha and we're like Mary and we're saying, Lord, if you just would have been here, I wouldn't be going through this right now. If you just would have showed up, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going through this. We've all had those questions, right? But we have to understand that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher. It's, it's kind of like this. All right, you go to a parade 
and you stand in line and like the Christmas parade, I grew up in a small town, we had one stoplight. And so like you, you save your spot, you get to the parade, you're standing on the sidewalk and you have these floats, but in the country, you don't have a lot of floats, you have a lot of horses because everybody's showing off their horses. And right where you're standing and a horse passes by, guess what's right in front of you, right? Horse exhaust, we'll just say that, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just right there. And so that's our perspective. And I heard a pastor say one time, but God is up in the blimp, okay? When we're at the parade, all we see is what's right in front of us. But when Jesus is at the parade, he's in the blimp. He sees the beginning, he sees the middle, he sees the end. He sees the whole thing. And we're trying to understand God by what we see right in front of us. But his ways are higher than our ways. And his ways is this. And the third thing that, that we have to understand is that everything, say everything. Guess what that means? Everything. <laughs> not just some things. Not just occasional. But everything Jesus says, everything Jesus does, is meant for us to believe in him. And as I'm reading this story in verses one through 45, I keep seeing this word pop up over and over and over again, this word believe. And in the New Living Translation, it shows up eight times in 45 verses. And so like every five and a half verse, he's making this statement about belief. And he says this in verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. So come on, let's go and see him. See, he's not saying this to unbelievers. He's not saying this to, to the crowds. Guess who he's saying this to? He's saying this to his chosen 12, to his disciples, to these men that have been walking with him for two to three years. And they've seen him take a little boy's lunch and multiply it and feed 20,000 people. They've seen him walk across the water in a storm on waves, get into the boat and then silence the storm. They've seen him heal the man that was born blind. They've seen him speak to the man at the mat, tell him to pick up his mat and walk. They've seen all of this. Don't you think they would be believers by now? But apparently they're not. And so he says that you would really believe. And he goes on. So, so now he's talking to Martha and Mary and those around him in verse 40. Actually, he says, let's start in verse 38 and verse 40 be on the screen. Jesus was angry when he arrived at the tomb at the cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And so he tells them, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, but he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. You know what the King James Version says? He stinketh, right? It's like you thought it would be like a little more poetic, but no, he just stinks is what it says. And Jesus goes on, like he doesn't care. He doesn't care that, that he's been dead for four days. He says, roll the stone away. And then he makes this statement, speaking to his father in front of everyone. He says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? that you would see God's glory if you believe. So they rolled the stone aside and then Jesus looked up to heaven to his father and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. He says, you always hear me, but I'm saying this out loud now for the sake of all those who are standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. 
says, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes and his face was wrapped in a sackcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him. And then verse 45 says, many people who were with Martha and Mary believed because of what they saw. So we have to understand that everything and I know like this is so hard and some of you may be walking through seasons and you're like, Stephen, everything, really? Do you know? Do you know what I'm going through? No, I don't, but he knows. Six years ago, seven years ago now almost, I lost my dad to cancer. And so my mom and dad divorced while I was in college and our relationship was, was really estranged and you know, I had a couple of kids and then our relationship starts to come back together. And my dad's finally coming back in my life and we're starting to rebuild this father-son relationship. And then in the spring of 2011, um, 2012, he lets me know he has cancer. And I'm furious, guys. Like, God, how, how can you do this? Like, my dad's just now coming back into my life and now he has cancer. And like, I'm driving down Adamsville, a little one-stop light town, and I'm yelling at God. I'm questioning God, and I'm probably even cussing God a little bit. It's okay. You can do that. He's bigger than that. And I looked, and I watched my dad, and we had conversations prior to him having cancer. And, you know, as a pastor, you would think your whole family's saved. It's not. And a lot of times your family won't listen to you because they're too familiar with you. And they, they just don't listen. And I watched my dad go through chemo and treatment. But I also watched my dad give his life to Christ as he was walking through that. And so I can, I can get real angry. I can get real angry and say, God, you took my father away from me. But I can stand here today and I can say, I know for a fact, 100%, my dad is more in my future than he was in my past. And I read an author one time, and I think his name's Levi Lusco, and, and he talks about changing our perspective and changing our sight. And see, from an earthly perspective, when we look back, we can say, man, it's been like seven years since I've seen my dad. And every day that passes is just one day longer since I've seen his dad. But when we look from an eternal perspective, I'm getting one day closer to seeing my dad again. And so everything we have to understand, like, like I believe Jesus was in that. I believe, I don't, I do not believe that he caused that cancer. Now, I want you to hear my voice here, guys, because some of you may be walking through some stuff and you're like, so is Jesus doing this to me? I, no. But I believe he allows us to walk through things and I believe he allows us to go through things to see him in the midst of it. He never promised us, and I say this, he never promised us a storm-free life, but he promised us a storm-proof life and he promised to be there with us in the storm. Because he knows that belief in him and who he is and what his capabilities are is the greatest thing that he could ever do. And so if it, if, if, if it takes a delay for us to understand that, then he will give us that delay. If it takes a little heartache in the moment for us to understand that, then guess what? He'll let us walk through that heartache because he makes this statement to the disciples. They've walked with him. They've seen all of this, but there's still some doubt. And it's okay, we're gonna have doubt. But we have to see these as opportunities for God to show us, for Jesus to show us who he is. And we know this verse and we quote it and it's a life verse in Romans 8, 28 that he causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him. 
and are called according to his purpose. And so I don't know what you're facing, but I believe he can use that for your good and he gets the glory. And so when the stones rolled across and, and Martha's like, what? Jesus was like, what are you doing? He's been dead. He stinks. Like, what are you doing? And he calls his name. It says that he walks out of the grave. And what I want us to understand in this moment on Easter Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, like, like this event took place a few weeks, a couple of months before Jesus' actual resurrection. And so this was a foreshadowing of what was to come. And when, when Jesus makes the statement, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, anyone. He's not saying like resurrection, resurrecting is what I do. He's saying it's who I am. See, resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. It is Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection and he is the life. So what, is that, what does that look like for you and I today on Easter Sunday? See, Lazarus got sick and died. Jesus chose to die. He didn't, he didn't die because he was sick. He didn't give his life over just not on purpose because he knows that you and I are sick. And it's not a physical sickness. It's a soul sickness that our sin has caused within our spirit and within our soul. And he knows that it is the very thing that separates us from a relationship with his father. And so here's what he did. He chose, he made a decision that he would give his life. It wasn't sickness, but he gave his life. He was abandoned. He was betrayed. These were all choices that he made for you and I. He was arrested in the middle of the night. He was stripped. He was humiliated. He was beaten. For you and I, he chose this because he knew what the end would be. That the end would take him to a cross and they would nail him to the cross and they would raise him between two thieves. That he's getting the same punishment that these two criminals are getting and he did nothing but change people's lives because he knew that in order for us to have life, he would have to give his and in a moment, we'll see that, that he gave up his breath. And, and even, even on the cross, he makes a statement, Father, why have you forsaken me? And so many times, like some of us in this room may feel abandoned, but he's, he's right there with you. And he's been with you this whole time. And he breathes his last breath saying, it is finished. What is that? It is finished. It means that, that the battle, the consequences for sin are done away with in his death. This is that they, they buried him and that he came to life on the third day. He gave his life for hours. But when he brought us back to life, he didn't just call us out of the grave. He went into the grave for us, guys. He went into the grave for us. But here's the thing. He did not stay there. And when he walks out of the grave, he gives us freedom from the grave and the penalty of sin. Re Revelation says, it says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever. I have power over death, hell, and the grave, saying I am the resurrection 
and the life. And in a moment, we're going to watch a video just to remember just the sounds of, of what he's done for you and I. And so many times, like, if you've grown up in church, we, we just kind of take it routine. And we've heard the story. We've seen the movie. We've, we've read the scripture. And, and it loses some of its power. But I want us here today just to remember the sacrifice the being abandoned. Some of you in here today, you maybe feel abandoned, like God's, God's left you. He felt the same way. Being betrayed. Some of you in here maybe have felt betrayed by family members, by friends. He was betrayed. He was wounded. And he did it all so that we could experience life. When Jesus makes this statement, I am the resurrection and the life, all who believe in me will live. He asks Martha the question, he says, do you believe, Martha? And I want to ask us that question this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. And I want to ask you, do you, do you believe? And I know like we're all in different places in our walk with God and maybe some of us are following closely and some of us maybe not as close. Maybe we're afraid to get too close because we've been been hurt by churches or people. Maybe we've faced disappointment with our relationship with Christ. We ask these questions and let me just let you know it's okay. Because he is giving, given everything to be in relationship with you. That he is motivated by his love for you. And that motivation drove him to give his life for you. And in return, he simply asks for your life back. So many times we picture it as God wants to take so much from us in that relationship, like in order for us to come into relationship with him, that that he wants to take so much away. And he does, but it's the burdens you're carrying. But he wants to give you so much more. And so I want to ask you, do, do you believe? And maybe you're here today and you need to start that relationship with Christ for the first time, or maybe you need to come back into relationship with, with Jesus. And that simply just starts by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. Acknowledging the work that he's done and saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And if that's you today and you're here, something that's been saying or spoken has stirred your heart and we don't want it to be about emotion, but we want you to come into relationship with the one who created you. And if that's you today and you say, Jesus, I give you my life, would you just simply lift your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed? celebrating today those that have raised their hands and even those that maybe lifted their hearts in prayer. And so here's what we're going to do. Raising your hand does not save you. It's just simply an acknowledgement saying, I need a Savior. I need Jesus to show up in my life on His terms so that I can believe. 
And so in a moment, we're going to pray. And I know some churches, they have you repeat a prayer. I don't want you to repeat a prayer because it's not my words that save you, but it's yours. It says that when you believe in your heart and confess out of your mouth that you are saved, it says that he is just and righteous to forgive anyone and everyone. In this moment, when we pray, it says that he takes your sins and puts them as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them. And that everything that you've done in the past that you're ashamed of, whether it was this morning, yesterday, or last year, it says that that's all gone. And just in an instant, all is transformed. And so I'm gonna pray, but I want it to be your words from your heart. It's not all that you're gonna say, but it's the start of the conversation by simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And hopefully the conversation will grow and you'll learn and you'll grow stronger and know and really believe like Jesus wants us to, what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. God, we thank you for your word. But we also thank you for your blood that was poured out for us. God, the sacrifice that was made so that we could have life. And God, there are many of us in this room today and was even in first service, we're walking in through some seasons and maybe we felt like we petitioned you and you're not showing up in time and the way we thought, but God, you've showed up this morning in our hearts and our lives so that we might believe. And so God, as conversations are being had all across this room with you, God is simply saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I give you my life. I want to do my best to follow you. As these conversations are starting, God, I know that you're taking and you're wrapping your your arms. God, I pray that they would experience your love in this moment, God, that it would be tangible and heartfelt, not just an emotion, but God, they would know your word says that we can't fully understand it, but we can experience it. And so, God, I pray that it's taking place right now. And God, for the rest of us that have been walking with you for a while and maybe we've had some doubt in some areas. God, I pray that we would open our eyes and open our ears to see you moving and understanding that your delays, your on times, your not right nows. God, you can use our disappointments to bring us to a place where we can believe that you are who you say you are. So God, help us to walk in that confidently. God, help us to, to even those of us who may be questioning, continue to pursue you and to even ask to keep the conversation open. So God, we thank you for the blood that was shed, for the sacrifice that was made. We thank you for the death, for the burial of your son. We thank you that that tomb is empty, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in us. And so God, help us walk out in that power. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap.